0: On today's episode of Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast, we'll be talking plenty about the upcoming NFL season and taking a look at the Patriots as well, taking a look at what to expect from them this season, some things to watch, um, and a preview of Sunday's game against the Dolphins at Gillette Stadium. So we'll talk plenty of Patriots, plenty of NFL, we'll preview tonight's game in Tampa Bay as the Buccaneers open the season against the Cowboys, and we'll also take a look at other uh, Sunday matchups that might end up being key. We'll also take a look at some division predictions, uh, award winners, and I'll try my hand at predicting what the playoffs may look like. So we'll get into all that. We'll also get into some um, early news and notes from around the NFL, as uh, week one is right upon us. So we'll talk uh, plenty about that then we will get to talking about baseball talking about the Sox got a really big win last night so we'll talk about that um and take a look at the wild card standings and yeah it's gotten it's gotten a lot closer so it's going to be very interesting next few weeks for the Sox so we'll get into that we'll get into uh the Red Sox and their upcoming schedule and what that looks like what to expect this weekend when they play the White Sox we will also get into talking about the uh Hall of Fame induction ceremony: Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, amongst those in- inducted yesterday. So we'll take a look at both of those, both of those guys' careers, and we will also take a look at some news and notes from around baseball, as well as taking a look at the standings as we are less than a month, as we have less than a month left in the season. Uh, we will then get to the NHL. There are a couple of Bruins players uh, that made some interesting comments over the last couple of days, so we'll get to some of those. Uh, we will also get into the NHL's announcement that uh, players will be allowed to play and or will be allowed to compete in the 2022 Winter Olympics. So we'll talk about what that means and how exciting that's going to be. Uh, we'll also get to some news and notes from around the NHL. We'll also do the same thing with the NBA. It's a little quiet with the NBA. Celtics have made a couple moves, so we'll get into that. Um, we will also get into some recent comments made by Uh, Rashid Wallace on podcasts or whatever so I'll kind of give my opinion on that then we will get into talking about college football week two take a look at some games take a look at the new top 25 Uh, we will get into the WNBA as well we'll get into uh, the U.S. Men's uh, World Cup qualifying Got a big win last night so we'll talk about that and then we will also talk about the revolution so let's go what's going on everyone welcome to the program it is not your average boston sports podcast i'm your host garrett hayden we are at episode 105 and it is possibly one of the biggest episodes we've ever done Uh, it is the opening of the 2021 nfl season and there is so much to get to plenty of patriots plenty of stuff from around the league it's kind of crazy that it's finally upon us it really is um, snuck, snuck up on me, uh, personally. So, uh, before we get into the podcast, get into, uh, talking Patriots, talking NFL, um, as always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and on Facebook, and you can listen on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Um, you can also read some of my written content at Garrett Hayden Sports Media. I wrote an article yesterday or was it yesterday? No, it was two days ago. On uh on Tuesday, about um Patriots preview, taking a look at some key players, key storylines and things like that. So if you haven't read if you haven't read it, be feel free to uh go over to the site and uh let me know. Also you can drop a uh you know, rating, a review for the podcast on on iTunes that are Apple Podcasts, I mean I call it iTunes, whatever. Um that would be great. I'd really appreciate that as well. So I I say let's just get into it. So I think it makes sense, you know, touch on the Patriots first, and then we'll get to the rest of the league. But, you know, I think that it makes sense for us to start today talking about the Patriots' expectations and, you know, what is a realistic expectation for this team. So, you know, we had the big news last week that the Patriots are going with Mac Jones, you know, and I think that it's it's a risk you know as I I said last week I think that it's a it's a big risk that the Patriots are taking you know starting a rookie quarterback and it's a risk for anyone whenever you start a rookie quarterback you know because I think that you feel good about it you feel good about a player like Mac Jones who is a first round pick a player that the Patriots had their eye on for a while and you know I think that it's there are definitely some some positive things that Mac has done in, you know, training camp and preseason, and it makes you believe that okay, you know, he can be a quality NFL quarterback and perhaps more than that. Um, so, I think that you know, obviously it's it's a risk, but it's a calculated risk. It's a risk that the the Patriots are willing to take and willing to, you know, put their their faith uh, their season in the hands of a rookie quarterback. And I think that, you know, if there's anyone out of this rookie class that I think is best prepared, you know, to handle the pressure and kind of just the overwhelming, or just pressures, overwhelming pressure um, of a region that expects winning, you know, that doesn't really accept anything other than playoffs and, you know, big runs in the playoffs or, division titles and big runs in the playoffs. So, you know, I think that it's, is it possible that this team wins the division? Yes, of course, I think it's possible. You know, I think that there's a decent chance that they can. You know, I just think that sometimes expectations can be dangerous. And I think that, you know, being in this, you know, culture of winning in New England, you know, and with the Patriots specifically, that, I think we kind of get caught up in realistic expectations or unrealistic expectations and I think that you know looking at what this team has done over the course of the last 20 years you know winning championships is pretty common and I think you know we need to balance our expectations and not expect that this team is going to go out and win a Super Bowl this year I just think that that's not it's not a reasonable expectation you know it's not something that we should be going into the season expecting. You know, I think that, and then again, you know, once the season's over, if the team doesn't make a Super Bowl, it doesn't need to be, you know, disappointment. You know, I think that it kind of just depends on, obviously, how the team plays, how Mac Jones plays and the rest of the team. But I think looking at this team on paper, it's not feasible to say that this is a Super Bowl team, Um, I think, just at the moment. I think that there are plenty of other teams that, are a little bit deeper at certain positions, but that's not to say that they're going to be bad. You know, I think that it doesn't need to be win the Super Bowl or miss the playoffs. You know, it doesn't need to be a big-time thing or, like, a big-time miss. You know, there can be some positives in between. You know, I do think this team can return to the playoffs, and I do think that it's fair that that's an expectation. For this team, you know, based on the talent that they have on this roster, you know, based on the fact that you have Mac Jones, who's a quarterback that is very similar in terms of what you had with Brady for 20 years. You know, Cam Newton was kind of a project and kind of is trying something new. It didn't really work out, you know, and whether that's on Cam or not, you know, I think is kind of up for debate. Um But I think that you have a quarterback that I think better fits your offensive system. You've surrounded your quarterback with a lot of new, very good, very solid offensive players. You know, you've put together a very good linebacker group. You've put together a very good front seven. You know, really the only area that is a concern is the secondary. And to be perfectly honest, the Patriots have withstood that many times over the last 20 years. You know, they've had plenty of seasons where the secondary was not really up to snuff, and they still were able to, you know, win some games. So I think it's reasonable to expect that this team can return to the playoffs. You know, I think just looking at this roster, looking at the schedule, looking at a lot of key games that you have this season, a lot of them are home games. You know, even this first game this week, which I think is a big game. But you have home games against the Dolphins, obviously, home games or home game against the Dolphins, obviously. You have a home game against the Bills, as you do with every division opponent. Um, but you also have games against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, who, you know, not going to say that I expect them to win that game, but that's a home game. Later in the season, they play Cleveland, they play Tennessee. Both of those games are at home. They play Dallas middle of the season. That's a home game. You know, a lot of these big key matchups are games that are at home. So you know, not saying that, oh, it's going to make it easier to win, but it's certainly easier than having to go on the road and go to some of those places. Um, So I think in terms of expectation, I do expect them to win the playoffs. I do expect them to go to the playoffs. I don't think I expect them to win the division. Obviously it could happen, but I think that it's likely that you're going to see the Patriots get one of the three wildcard spots which is a new thing this year they're going to three wildcard teams so only the number one seed in each of the conferences gets a buy in the first round so you're going to have a couple you're going to have two more wild card games than you normally would have um, but I think that it's reasonable to expect that this team can win 10 11 or 12 games I think that somewhere in that is a you know, reasonable record prediction. You know, in the, in the article that I wrote, I had them winning eleven games. I think that that's what you're going to see. Um, You know, I think you want to go through the the schedule and kind of pick out wins and losses. You're definitely you can definitely do that, um, but I think that you're going to see a better offensive team, a team that can win games with their offense playing very well. You didn't really see that very much last year. You know, when the Patriots won. Key games against Baltimore and uh, Arizona, for example, those were games that the defense has played incredibly well. But I think this year you're going to see some games that they do well offensively, and that's going to be, you know, what carries them to, to, to win a game. Um, so I think after talking about, you know, expectations for this team, I think definitely some things to watch this season. You know, I mentioned a couple of them in the article Um is definitely, you know, how Mac Jones looks and, you know, what the Patriots What the Patriots try to do offensively. You know, I think we have a pretty good idea of what they're going to try to do is try to, you know, go into play action using the tight ends in the middle of the field. I think you're going to see that a lot more. You're going to see the Patriots, you know, lining up Johnny Smith in a number of different areas, you know, whether it's in the backfield, whether it's out wide, whether it's at a traditional tight end spot you know you're going to see a running game that i think is going to be just as good as it was last year you know if not better with some of the guys on the offensive line um but i just think you're going to see a better group better group of talent on the offensive side you know and i think defensively you're going to see an improved pass rush you know that's one of the things that i'm very curious to see is the pass rush how do the patriots you know mix up some of their some of their blitzes and things like that, how do they make it uncomfortable for some of the quarterbacks they're going to face like Baker Mayfield, Brady, Ryan Tannehill, Um, just to name a couple Carson Wentz when they play the Eagle or the uh, Colts, excuse me, or, you know, Tua when they played the uh, Dolphins on Sunday, you know, how do the Patriots utilize a guy like Matthew Judon? How do they utilize a guy like Chase Winovich? You know, I think that it's gonna be very interesting to see how that front seven does in terms of, the pass rush and also the, the run stopping, you know, that's another area of emphasis that I thought honestly was more important than the pass rush. This off season is addressing the need for kind of just some more beef in the middle of that defensive line and trying to stop the run as mu- as, as best as you can, because the Patriots got gashed in a number of games last year, including against the dolphins. So I think that it's very important that they went out and address that. Um, but I think also, obviously keeping Mac Jones upright, you know, is going to be a big thing that they're going to need to do because you don't want him running around, running for his life. Um, So I think that really comes down to the offensive line. I think I feel confident in the group that they have, that they're a good group that can protect Mac. But I think obviously that's going to be something to watch. Um, Very curious to see, you know, this kind of chess match between Belichick and Brian Flores, you know, specifically what they do on defense to try to confuse the opposing team's quarterback. Um, It's going to be a very interesting game. Mac Jones against Tua, you know, obviously the two of them know each other very well from Alabama. So, you know, I'm looking forward to this game. I think that this game is going to be really kind of a, could be a preview of what's to come this season. Um, But I do expect that this is going to be a relatively close game. Um, I think that both teams are very solid running the ball, You know, defensively, they're pretty strong. Um, But I think I expect the Patriots to win this game, but I don't expect that this is going to be a game in which they score 30 points. You know, I could see something like 24 to 17, 27 to 20. I think something like that you could see uh, this game going. Um, But I think really the biggest key for the Patriots is making life uncomfortable for Tua. Um, And I think that if the Patriots can do that, they should be able to win the game. Um, I would be very very curious, and I think that this is going to happen, that the Patriots are going to try to lean very heavily on their running game in the first game, you know, try to ease things a little bit for Mac Jones, you know, before they go on the road and play a, you know, retooled Jets team. Um, I think that you want to see Mac Jones not having a lot of games this year where he's throwing 30 or 35 passes. You know, I think you really want to try to establish that run game as best you can, and then you hit teams with play action. So I think You're know you going to see an offense that's going to be a lot more dynamic and have the ability to do a lot more things than maybe you did last year. Of course, they're going to miss a guy like Cam Newton running the football, but I also think that they're going to be a lot better passing the ball to their tight ends because there's better talent. And arguably, I think you have a quarterback that is a little bit more accurate than Cam Newton was last year. Yes, his completion percentage was pretty high last year, but I think you have a quarterback that you saw at Alabama is a kid that's very very accurate with the football. So I think that that's something you're going to you're going to notice almost right away that he's not going to be missing a lot of throws. Certainly he will miss throws and certainly I think he's going to have some tough games. You know, I think that that's definitely something that we need to expect, you know, going back to the expectations. You know, we all want Mac Jones to play incredibly well. We all want to believe that he's a guy that could challenge and possibly win Offensive Rookie of the Year, um, but I also think we have to remember that it's entirely possible that the preseason and the training camp are totally different, and he has a hard time, you know, in the regular season. I think it's possible. I don't think that that's going to happen, but it's possible, and I think we all kind of have to be ready for that eventuality if it if it happens. So, um, be very curious to see. How Mac Jones looks Week One, but I'm not imagining that they're going to be making him throw throw the football a lot. You know, I imagine that they rely on their run game in this one with Damian Harris. You know, curious how much Ramondre Stevenson gets in there. He did, um, I think, dislocate his thumb the other day, but it sounds like he might be able to play. Um, but I think that yeah, be curious to see how they uh, try to establish the run game, or that's at least what I'm expecting. Um, so. You know, very excited for the start of this Patriots season. You know, I think that it's going to be a fun year. You're going to see something new, you know, the new quarterback, you know, some of the new players. But I think just above all, I'm just excited to get going. Um, so Patriots start Sunday, 425 at Gillette Stadium. Patriots will welcome the Dolphins for their first game of the season. Uh, Patriots will visit Miami in the last game of the regular season. So uh, Patriots will welcome... The Dolphins, they will travel to New York to play the Jets next week. So without further ado, let's get into the rest of the NFL. I think that that's definitely something people are very interested about. Obviously, first game tonight, the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. Buccaneers, um, obviously, Super Bowl champs last year, usually getting the uh, first game to start out the the next season, um, definitely is going to be uh, an interesting game. Um, but I do think that, yes, I expect the Buccaneers to win. I do expect Tom Brady to put on a very good, uh, a very, very solid, very good display um, in this game. You know, I think the Cowboys, this is a very important season for them. You know, I think Zeke, Zeke Elliott has to prove that last season was a fluke and that, you know, they truly are a good team, you know, and Dak Prescott's healthy. So I think that I think that this is going to be a solid game, but I do expect Tampa Bay is going to win by at least 10. You know, I don't really think the Cowboys have a chance to win this game, but I think that they have a chance to make it interesting and at least have something to build off of um, in their first game because it's a challenge. It's a challenge, you know, playing the first week on a Thursday night, um, but obviously both teams will get a good amount of rest before week two. Um, But I think just things to watch in this game, Micah Parsons, from the Cowboys, definitely is a favorite for defensive rookie of the year. Um, I think one of the best, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, um, impact player defensively from from the draft this year. I think you know, I think he has the ability to make the biggest impact of any defensive player. Um, you know, not much to say about Tampa Bay. They are you know mostly bringing back almost the entire roster. Um, or the entire like starting group, I should say, um, from last year's Super Bowl team. So I don't really think that there's much to break down. You know, I think that Tom Brady is going to have one of his you know classic first games of the season where he looks really good. Wouldn't be surprised if you see Gronkowski getting a touchdown or two. Um, but I'm very curious to see how Dak Prescott looks. You know, if he looks fully healthy and fully returned from that ankle injury last year. Um, So I think that I expect both of these teams to be very good. Um, I do expect Dallas to win the NFC East. We'll talk about that in a moment. We will go through some of the divisions. I expect Tampa Bay to win the South. So I think this will be a solid game. But I think that, you know, if Tampa Bay wins by like 14 points, I don't really think that it's anything to be super upset about, you know, if you're a Cowboys fan. like I think it's a tough ask for them to go on the road to play a team like this. Um, But I think look for them to be a very solid kind of bounce back team this year. Um, So taking a look at the rest of the Sunday games, um, Jacksonville and Houston, Trevor Lawrence's debut as the Jaguars play the Texans. Um, Obviously, no Deshaun Watson, really no word about, you know, if he's going to be, you know, in uniform at all. Uh, Tyrod Taylor will be the starter in Houston. So very curious to see how Jacksonville does in this first game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence does. Obviously, it was tough to see that uh, Travis Etienne went down for the season with um, a foot injury. So obviously, he won't be available. Um, But Jacksonville's got a good group of offensive players. You know, um, James Robinson, I really think, can thrive in his role as kind of the lead back this season. You got DJ Chark. You have Marvin Jones, both really solid wide receivers. Um, So I expect that Jacksonville wins this game. Um, and I think opens up the season with some with some optimism. Um, the Chargers are playing Washington in their first game this season. This game in Washington, you know, Chargers. A lot of people are picking to be kind of a surprise team this year. Uh, Justin Herbert is you know now going to be the starter the whole season. Very curious to see how he does in year two. Uh, Washington's a team to look out for. You know, they won the NFC East last year. I think that they're going to give the Cowboys a good run for their money this season, Um, obviously with guys like Chase Young on that defensive front, um, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, yes, you know, has his issues, but is still a very solid, very capable starting quarterback. Um, And you have an offense that I think is going to be really solid. Again, you know, Logan Thomas is a very good kind of under-the-radar tight end. You have Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick you have a couple of good running backs there so I think Washington wins this game I think that uh, Herbert has a tough time going against that defensive front I think Chase Young is due for a couple sacks in this game Um, the Seahawks traveling to play Colts Carson Wentz will be available and will play so I think that this will be interesting to kind of see how the Colts look the new look Colts with uh, Wentz as their quarterback as opposed to uh, Phillip Rivers who's retired and uh, coaching in Alabama, if I'm not mistaken, coaching high school football. So good for him. Um, I think this is a really big opportunity for the Colts to um, win win a statement game. You know, the Seahawks are a very solid team, very good offensively. Obviously, have one of the best uh, wide receiver wide receiver duos in the entire league in um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But you know, I think this is a big opportunity for the Colts defense. Um, to prove it against a very good offensive group, um, I think that there, there's a chance that this game could be very low scoring um, if the Colts can get to Russell Wilson for some turnovers. Um, I'm very in- interested to see how this game shakes out. Um, I think the Colts win this game at home. I think that, you know, Wentz has a good, has a good season and I think has a good bounce back season. Um, and I think the Colts are going to do pretty well this season. Um, The Jets and the Panthers will play. Christian McCaffrey returns after missing most of last season. And then the Jets, obviously, with uh, Zach Wilson, the second overall pick. it would be interesting to see how this game looks. Uh, Carolina, obviously, with Sam Darnold, the old quarterback for the Jets, going against the new quarterback, Zach Wilson. Very curious to see how that looks. Um, I do think Carolina wins this game at home. Um, I think that I just think that they're going to be a rejuvenated team this year, maybe not make the playoffs, but I do think that they're going to be a much better team than they were last year. And hopefully, you know, with a healthier McCaffrey, they can be a team that's, you know, in the playoff chase later, much later in the season than they were last year. Um, So I expect Carolina to win Minnesota Cincinnati. um, I think this is going to be a good road test for Minnesota. I know that Cincinnati, there's not a lot of expectation for them. Um, But they certainly have a lot of really solid offensive weapons uh, for Joe Burrow. And, you know, speaking of comebacks, hopefully he can play through a whole season um, with full health. Um, But I think Minnesota wins this game on the road. You know, I think that this is an important game for them. It's a very important season for them, I think. Um, They really need to get back to the playoffs. um, Because I think if if they don't, Mike Zimmer is definitely getting fired. Um, Big season for Kirk Cousins. Big season for justin jefferson who was the offensive rookie of the year last year um definitely um i think definitely in line for another very good season um he definitely was a lot better than i was expecting last year so hopefully that continues um arizona and tennessee this game will be very interesting obviously tennessee with derrick henry julio jones now now saw or uh was traded from Atlanta to Tennessee. So he joins that offense. And then obviously you got Arizona with Kyler Murray with Deandre Hopkins. Um, I think that there is a possibility you could see a lot of points in this game. Um, Arizona's defense, I think is going to be their downfall this season. Um, they lost a couple of key guys, including Chandler Jones did sign JJ watt, but JJ Watts, not the same player he used to be. Um, And then you got Tennessee, who struggled a lot defensively last year. Um, So I think you could see a very, very good, exciting game that goes down to the wire. Maybe Kyler Murray and Hopkins have some some magic they pull off late in the game. But I'm very looking forward to this game. Um, San Francisco and Detroit. I think the 49ers just recently announced Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starter for how long kind of remains to be seen. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they utilize a two-quarterback system uh, with Trey Lance and Garoppolo. i uh, kind of curious to see how that works. I think San Francisco wins on the road. Um, I think Tennessee wins in the Tennessee-Arizona game. I uh, forgot to say that. I think San Francisco wins on the road, and I think they look very good defensively in this game. Uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo will go at it. I believe this game will be on the local CBS station, so you will be able to probably watch this. Um, Steelers, I think it's a really huge season for them. I think them like Minnesota, they have a lot to prove um, after getting punked by Cleveland last year in the playoffs. Um, you know, Roethlisberger is a year older. I'm really not sure about this team and their offensive line. Um, great pick getting Najee Harris in the first round. I thought that that was a much needed position, if a much a position that they really needed. Another kind of good, good, healthy body in there. Najee Harris was, you know, arguably the best running back in college football last year. So um, he's a good addition. Buffalo, I think there's a lot of expectation for them after reaching the AFC championship game last year. Um, there's a possibility that I think that they, you know, kind of fall down to earth in, you know, uh, a year in which a lot of people are picking them to go to the Super Bowl and in some cases win the Super Bowl. So um, I do think Buffalo wins this game. Um, I think that the Steelers are in are due for kind of a not a great season. I know that that defense is very very good on paper at least, but I don't know. I with Roethlisberger, a year older, and just how he looked at points last season, um, just not sure about that team offensively. But I do like Buffalo at home. Philadelphia and Atlanta. This will be a very interesting game. Obviously, you got. Uh, Jalen Hurts, the new starter in Philadelphia, or kind of took over as the starter last year um, against an Atlanta offense with some good young talent. Calvin Ridley, their top receiver after Julio Jones left, and then Kyle Pitts, obviously, uh, the rookie tight end. I kind of hesitate to call him a tight end just because he's so athletic that you could easily, you know, see him lined up at wide receiver. But I'm very excited for this game because I think that you're going to see a couple of really young, outstanding kind of future stars of the game uh, with Pitts and Hurts. So definitely tune into that game if you can. Uh, Then we're into the 425 window. Patriots-Dolphins, obviously. Um, I do like the Patriots. Um, Philadelphia and Atlanta, I think Philly gets the win on the road. Um, As far as Cleveland and Kansas City, you know, if the Patriots were not playing at 425, this would be a game I would be glued to the television with. Obviously, the two teams played a hotly contested um, and kind of controversial uh, divisional playoff game um, last year. Or this past January, I think you're going to see a real another fantastic game. Um, I think the Chiefs win, but I think Cleveland again proves that they are, you know, a force to be reckoned with, and proves that they are definitely a team that you should that you should take seriously. Um, Green Bay, New Orleans. This game obviously will be in Jacksonville as um, Hurricane Ida has kind of ravaged the city of New Orleans. So it sounds like the Saints will be able to return in week four, or at least that's the goal. Um, so this game will be in Jacksonville. Saints will be the home team um, against the Packers. Obviously a lot of offseason drama with with Aaron Rodgers, and there's definitely some concern um, with Devontae Adams, who you know I think is obviously still without a long-term contract. They won't discuss it during the season. So um, I don't know. I think that, yes, there's a possibility that Green Bay could have a hard time with all that, or they just go out and play, you know, very talented team, obviously, with Rodgers, with Adams, with Aaron Jones. I mean, that's one of the best offensive trios in the entire league in terms of quarterback running back and wide receiver. So, you know, hopefully they can get through some of that drama and still be a good team that defense is still very good. The Saints obviously a big change with Jameis Winston as quarterback now. Um, I think Green Bay wins this one on the road and I think that they start the season off on the right foot and kind of put put to bed some of the uh, you know doubters with this team with Aaron Rodgers. Denver and the Giants will play at 425 is a really big game for the Giants uh, cuz Denver's, you know, sneakily sneakily really improved this off this off season. You know, brought in a couple of, you know, brought in Teddy Bridgewater, who I think still is a very solid NFL quarterback. Um, The Giants, you know, and Saquon Barkley have a lot riding on them. You know, Barkley, obviously, is a season that I think they really need him to stay healthy. And, you know, this is kind of the season that they, that's going to be kind of a make or break season for Daniel Jones. So um, I think is going to be a tough, low scoring game, but I think the Giants win and I think start the season off on the right foot. Um, Then the Sunday night game, Chicago in L.A. I think L.A. wins this game. I think they look very good. Um, Stafford, obviously, coming over from Detroit, I think is going to make this team very, very good. Um, And that defense, obviously, is going to be outstanding. Very curious to see if Justin Fields gets any playing time in this game should Andy Dalton have a tough time. Um, And then the Monday night game, Baltimore and Vegas, Another really good game that I'm looking forward to, Uh, Lamar Jackson in Vegas against the Raiders. This should be a really, really exciting game. Very interested for this on Monday Night Football. I think Baltimore wins it on the road, but I think that this is going to be a very good, very exciting game. So I think that with that being said, I will now jump to taking a look at some of my uh, predictions this season. Um, I think that, again, you're going to see a lot of hotly contested uh, division matchups. Um, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I'm already realizing that I spent a lot of time going through the matchups. But um, I think just quickly we'll go through, talk about some of the teams we expect them to finish. Um, and then I'll just kind of give you guys who I think will win the Super Bowl after that. Um, and then we'll also take a look at some award winners that I think are my predictions for award winners. So, AFC East will start there. I think the Bills still win the division. I think the Patriots make it interesting um, up until the last few weeks, but I do still expect Buffalo to win the division. I do expect the Patriots to be a wild card team, so that's why I picked them to be second. I think the Dolphins. You know, are going to be in a tough spot at the end of the season because I still I think they're going to I think Tua will improve a little bit this season, but I still don't think that it's anything that you know should give Dolphins fans or I don't know. It's going to be difficult because I think they're going to have a decent season, but I think it's not going to be anything that's going to get people excited. Um, that I think the Dolphins fans are going to kind of want more. I think the Jets are, are finishing last. I don't think that they're going to be, you know, a terrible team necessarily, but I just think, you know, looking at these teams on paper, the Jets definitely, I think, are the the worst team in the AFC, so to speak. Um, but I do think that they'll be improved. I do think Zach Wilson's going to have a good season um, and could, you know, challenge for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, in the AFC North, I have the Browns winning the division. I think that they continue their hot streak from last season. Um, I have the Ravens making the playoffs as a wild card team. I think they finish in second. Obviously, big injury to J.K. Dobbins, but I think you got Lamar Jackson, you got plenty of offensive playmakers, um, and you got a very, very good defense. So I think the Ravens uh, come in second and come in a or uh, finish in a wild card spot. Um, I think the Steelers. I think their offensive line is going to let them down. I think Roethlisberger is not going to have a good season, um, and I think it might lead to some questions about why they brought him back. Um, so I don't expect the Steelers to make the playoffs. I um, do expect the Bengals to finish in last, but I do think that they're going to be much improved uh, with Joe Burrow playing uh, a full season. In the AFC South, I think I like the Colts to win the division. I think I like their defense more than I like the Titans' defense. Yes, the Titans obviously have an unbelievable group of skill players on offense with derrick henry aj brown julio jones but you know you're not going to be able to win games just by scoring points i mean i think that their defense is going to let them down a little bit just to the point that they can't win the division i still think that they make the playoffs but that's why i think the colts win the division because i think their defense is going to be better i think their offense will be you know fine I think Wentz will have a decent bounce-back year, but I do think it's enough to win the division. Uh, the Jags, I think, finish third in this division, and the Texans fourth. I think the Jags are going to have a nice, decent season that maybe they flirt with uh, having a an over 500 record. I think Trevor Lawrence um, has a very solid season um, for the Jags, and then the Texans obviously last. In the AFC West, I think, obviously... We kind of all know how that's going to go. I think the Chiefs are going to win this division fairly easily, but I think the Raiders are going to make it interesting that they just miss out on the playoffs. I think they get very close, Uh, but I do have them finishing second. I have the Chargers finishing third, um, and then the Broncos fourth. In the NFC East, I do have Dallas winning the division. I think a healthy Dak Prescott and an improved Zeke Elliott is going to kind of be enough for them. I think defense is is kind of always going to be the question mark, but I think that Parsons has a really good season and the Cowboys um, roll into the playoffs with a lot of confidence. Um, So I think Washington, I have second, Giants in third, and then the Eagles in fourth. In the NFC North, I have the Packers winning the division. I have the Vikings finishing second ahead of the Bears. I just trust their offense a little bit more than I do trust the Bears. You know, it'd be interesting to see when Justin Fields comes in, um, but I do think the Vikings are going to do enough offensively to be able to uh, finish in second. I also have them making a wild card spot as well. So Bears in third, Lions in fourth in the NFC South, Buccaneers naturally. I do think the Saints finish second and uh, also also return to the playoffs. Made the playoffs last year, losing to Tampa Bay, but I do think they make it again. I think that defense is still good enough, and I think Jameis Winston. Uh, kind of reinvents himself a little bit. Um, And I think the Saints have a good, solid team this year. So I think they make the playoffs. I have the Panthers in third and then the Falcons in fourth. In the NFC West, the Rams, I have them winning the division. And then I have the 49ers coming in second. A much improved defensive unit, hopefully with a healthy Nick Bosa. And I think that, you know, the two quarterback system with Garoppolo and Lance works. And the 49ers get back to the playoffs with a wild card spot. I do have the Seahawks missing the playoffs. That is kind of a a bold choice, I think. But I just think that their defense really kind of let them down last year. And I think that um, it could get very interesting in the offseason with Russell Wilson if the Seahawks don't make the playoffs, which I think is a possibility because I think the 49ers, their defense is going to be much improved. And I think that's what makes the difference. Um, I have the Cardinals finishing in last I just, that defense just is really, really concerns me. Obviously, they're going to be able to score. Kyler Murray is going to be, you know, a highlight reel on offense, but I just don't think they're going to be able to do enough defensively to even kind of be, to sniff relevancy. Um, As far as the standing, or the playoff standings, um, I do have the Chiefs in first, Browns in second, followed by the Bills and Colts. With the division winners, I have the Patriots making one of the wildcard spots. I have them as the fifth seed, Ravens as the sixth, and then the Titans as the seventh. In the NFC, I have the Bucks getting the one seed, followed by the Rams in second, Packers third, Cowboys fourth, and then the Saints the fifth seed, Vikings six, and then the 49ers seven. So um, I'm not going to go through all these playoff matchups, uh, but I do expect an AFC championship game between the Chiefs and the Browns. I think the Chiefs win it again. And then the NFC, I think you see a surprise a surprise matchup. I think you see Dallas and the Los Angeles, and I think the Rams beat the Cowboys and the Rams go to the Super Bowl and beat the Chiefs. So I have the Rams uh, winning the Super Bowl. Obviously, it's you know, just a prediction. Don't read too much into it, but um, I think Matthew Stafford, Uh, really finds a groove with the Rams and leads the team to a championship. I know that that's a lot uh, because I think it takes a lot to win a championship. But again, it's just a prediction. It's literally hours before the first game. Who knows? I'm sure that that prediction is going to be totally wrong. Uh, But I'm very excited for the season. And then finally, uh, before we get to some notes from around the league, I'll get into some MVP predictions. I think Aaron Rodgers wins MVP. Um, I think that he puts aside all that offseason drama and kind of goes out with a re- another really good season in Green Bay. Probably his last, but I have him winning MVP. Um, leading the 49ers back to the playoffs, I have Kyle Shanahan winning coach of the year. Um, Offensive player of the year, Matthew Stafford, defensive player, um, Aaron Donald. So the Rams will get a couple of, I think, will get a couple of guys that win major awards. Um, I think Micah Parsons wins defensive rookie. Uh, I think Saquon Barkley wins comeback, I think comeback player of the year. And then I have Justin Fields winning offensive rookie of the year. I think he replaces Andy Dalton at some point early in the season um, and has a really good season. And I think the Bears challenge for the playoffs. I don't think they make it, but I think they make it um, interesting. So obviously you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo winning the starting job. Um, in San Francisco, it also sounds like Austin Eckler for the Chargers is dealing with an ankle injury, so his availability in that week one game is uh, obviously, obviously we're not sure about that. And then as far as, you know, other news from around the NFL, I really don't think it's, it's much, um, just it's game one on tap for tonight, 8-20 on NBC in Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Cowboys. All right, so that was a lot talking about football. So uh, let's move on, talk a little bit about some baseball. Talk about the Red Sox. I was uh, very ready to come into today's episode, um, you know, assuming that the Red Sox were going to drop the game last night. Um, just based on how it was going, you know, one nothing into the eighth inning. Hunter Renfro uh, rescues the Red Sox in more ways than one with his go-ahead homer in the bottom of the eighth and then throwing out um, a runner at third to end the game in the top of the ninth. So the Red Sox, you know, salvage a win, obviously don't salvage a series. They lost two out of three uh, to Tampa Bay, the first one in really an ugly fashion, uh, taking a seven to one lead in the second inning with Chris Sale pitching. And uh, Chris Sale kind of had a tough time. The Red Sox defense obviously did not help him out. Um, And the Red Sox end up losing the game 11 to 10 in extra innings. So that was a really, really tough loss for the Red Sox. And, you know, obviously the COVID situation has made things a lot more complicated with this team that, you know, there are certain guys that are playing that really shouldn't be playing, you know, based on certain guys not being available. So it's just kind of been a mess, to be perfectly honest, with this team. But they were able to get a win last night, which was really important against the Tampa Bay team that. You know, really is a runaway with the division over the last couple of months. Um, but I think the Red Sox just are struggling to stay afloat. You know, I think that that's pretty obvious to say that it's like you just really don't know what to expect from this team on any given day. Uh, obviously getting a much needed day off uh, before they have to go to Chicago to play the White Sox, which is not ideal. But, you know, it's it's the nature of the season. You have to go play a lot of games that are going to be tough. Um, and the Red Sox are kind of hanging on, but, you know, it was good to see Nathan Abaldi pitch really well last night. Um, I kind of erroneously said last week that he's been struggling. He's been pitching very well recently. Um, and honestly, it was one of the big reasons why they won that game last night. He pitched seven innings, um, of shutout baseball. So that's at least a positive sign. Um, but I think it's just, you guys just got to do what you got to do and, um, it's not been pretty for the Red Sox over the last couple of months um, you know I think that it's unfortunate that they're in the position that they are you know in a real battle for this for one of the wild card spots and you know in this position because guys have tested positive and um, it's just kind of too bad and I know that it's I don't want to sit here and blame the team that oh it's their fault that they're getting covid but it is also worth noting that they're one of a couple teams that haven't reached that 85%, you know, vaccination threshold that they can relax protocols. And it's just like, that's a little bit unfortunate, um, I think. But, you know, it's it's going to be what it's going to be. And I think that, you know, they just kind of got to keep grinding. You know, it's at least a positive that Kyle Schwarber has been hitting really well. Bobby Dahlbeck is turned it on over the last couple of weeks. He's been outstanding. Uh, one rookie of the month. I believe it was a rookie of the month that he won in the month of August. He's been unbelievable. So there are at least some bright spots for this team, but I think it's just, you just kind of got to take it a day, a day at a time, a game at a time. And I know that that sounds very cliche, but I think with this Red Sox team and kind of a, a really kind of in flux with the COVID situation and just finding guys that can be available to play. They brought in um, Jose Iglesias, a former Red Sox player, or they brought in Jose Iglesias, a former player. Um, And so it's just, they're kind of just getting anyone in this roster that they possibly can. So, you know, it's, it was a big win last night. Another come from behind win. They've been doing that a lot this season, maybe not, maybe not a lot recently, but, You know, I think it's just kind of just got to roll with it. And the season is what it's going to be. There are 20 games left. Red Sox sit at 80 and 62, obviously well out of the division race. But um, it is worth noting Red Sox were able to uh, get into second place last night, thanks to the Yankees' loss to the hard-charging Toronto Blue Jays that um, are making this division and the wild-card race. Really, really crazy. I think that you're going to be in store for a wild last month of the season. Or last 20 games or so. So uh, Red Sox obviously off today. We'll play a three-game set in Chicago uh, starting tomorrow night at 8. Obviously the White Sox, we'll take a look at the standings in a moment, have been playing very, very well this season. They've been in first place pretty much from the get-go. They finished their series against Oakland this afternoon. White Sox at 80 and 59, I mean, it's a very similar, Red so- very similar record to the Red Sox, which is kind of interesting, kind of shows you how good the AL East has been this season with, you know, four teams in like a playoff chase right now, uh, which is not something that I expected uh, going into the season. So, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be for the Red Sox. You know, I think that it's entirely possible that they make the playoffs and a wild card team. And maybe they lose, maybe they win. You know, it's really kind of, again, it's just this team has been very unpredictable over the last few weeks. And yeah, it's entirely possible that they miss the playoffs. And, you know, I think obviously it's going to become a big story that they, you know, kind of collapsed in the second half of the season. But I also think, and as, as difficult as this might be to hear, they've had a much better season than any of us expected. You know, and I know that that's really not anything to be impressed about. You know, I think considering <clears throat> how much they've struggled, but it's like, you know, you got to consider that they had absolutely no expectation of competing this year. And I think it's a credit to Heimblum and you know the, the way the Red Sox team was put together that they were able to compete for a good amount of time this season, pretty much all season. So, you know. I don't mean to get into this, but, you know, I did mention it, you know, at the beginning of talking about the Patriots and their expectations, but it's almost just like, you know, we expect that our teams need to make the playoffs, and if they don't, it's a disappointment, Um, but I think you have to go back, and you have to remember that the Red Sox really were not expected to do anything this season, I think they're expected to be a fourth place team, and be a team that's going to be (laughs) around 500, I don't think anyone thought their record was going to be 80-62 and with 20 games to go, you know, and having an outside chance at winning 90-plus games. So, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be down the stretch, and I think that obviously it's going to be a big disappointment if they can't make the playoffs. But I also think that you also have to consider that um, it's been a pretty successful season— for the most part for this team, despite the struggles over the last few months. Um, so I think taking a look at their upcoming schedule, obviously mentioned the three-game series against the White Sox that will start tomorrow. Uh, the Red Sox then will travel to the wet on the, will, the Red Sox then will go on the West Coast and play a three-game set in Seattle, and then they will play uh, three games in Baltimore next weekend. <clears throat> And then the Red Sox will play a couple series against both of the New York teams, the Mets and the Yankees at home. Uh, And then they finish their season on the road with six games in Baltimore and in Washington. So at least their schedule is not going to be anything that's going to be super challenging. You know, you look at some of the teams that they're playing, um, but I think that it could get interesting with a team like Seattle that is, you know, in, in in the wild card race, you have a team like the Mets who are in a wild card race in the National League. And then obviously a huge series against the Yankees. Um, but then you close out the series or close out the season with a couple series against Baltimore and then against Washington. So be interesting to see how that shakes out for the Red Sox. But yeah, it's definitely that time of year we are uh, checking other scores and seeing how seeing how that's shaking out for other teams. So um it is definitely that time of year. Um, it also is the time of year with Major League Baseball had the uh, Hall of Fame induction yesterday. Um, I believe was supposed to be last summer. Obviously, couldn't happen, but uh, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker amongst the uh, players that are the people that got inducted yesterday. You know, it's always a really kind of amazing thing to to, to watch, you know, when you think about the careers of, some of these guys, really just in any sport, you know, it's always just kind of interesting to take a look back and, you know, makes you appreciate sports that, you know, a lot of us in this lifetime have been able to watch, you know, some of the greatest athletes of all time and, you know, say what you will about Derek Jeter, say what you will about Larry Walker, but I think it's just like, you kind of sit back in awe of, you know, two athletes that were able to play this game for a very long time and, be successful and kind of be and be iconic players you know when you think about Jeter um obviously tremendous respect for him you know competing against the Red Sox for so many years um you know it was always someone that I respected you know in terms of a rival you know it's like I'm talking about being a Celtics fan and you know respecting Kobe and how good he was with the Lakers and um you know just just kind of a a great career for, for both uh, Derek and and Larry. You know, I think that it's worth saying some words about both of them and how, how really, really good baseball players they were, Um, you know, Hall of Fame players. And I think it's something that I think a lot of us should appreciate, you know, when we see guys that, you know, play for so long and play at a really high level, Um, you know, Jeter with the, with the 3000 hits and, you know, Larry Walker was one of the top offensive players for a good period of time. So, you know, it's just kind of crazy. It makes me feel old, you know, when I think about these two guys that I kind of grew up watching, you know, these were uh, two players that were very good when I was growing up. And, you know, Jeter obviously was someone that I, you know, kind of was forced to pay attention to, you know, being a, a member of, you know, the Red Sox most hated rival. Um, but seriously, like just some crazy moments with Jeter and the crazy battles the Red Sox had with the Yankees. You know, I will never forget the um, catch that Jeter made on the run, Um, Nixon pop-up and foul territory. You kind of can, some of you probably can remember that play where he dives into the stands and, you know, comes up just his face totally like chopped up and bleeding, but it's like showed you how much, you know, it showed you how competitive he was and just, how willing he was he was how willing he was to do anything for his team so um serious congratulations to both of them um to everyone who was inducted as well um, we will take a look at some other notes from around major league baseball um Garrett Cole obviously was taken out of a start a couple of days ago um but the Yankees seem to be encouraged about his hamstring injury uh Car- Albert Pujols returned to St. Louis, I think his second game since being traded from there, um, and hit a home run the other day. So that was uh, really nice to see. You know, Albert's one of those guys that I really respect. It was one of my favorite players uh, growing up. You know, and he's a guy that's going to be a shoe in for for the Hall of Fame. So that will be uh, really special when his induction ceremony comes. Um, so I think taking a look at the rest of the stand or taking a look at the standings makes sense. Obviously, Tampa Bay. In first in the AL East, really not much is going to change there. Probably uh, we'll be talking about magic numbers for them to win the division. Uh, the Red Sox currently in second, just passed the Yankees last night. Um, they are nine games back, Yankees nine and a half. The White Sox in the Central, you know, as we mentioned, 11 games up on Cleveland. So the Red Sox will play the White Sox in Houston this weekend. Um, then the Astros with a five and a half game lead on Seattle and then six on Oakland. So Houston's playing really well. And then in the National League East, the Braves are uh, holding on to first place, uh, two and a half game lead over the Phillies, and then four on the Mets. So they are kind of uh, maintaining the division lead with the Central, the Brewers, way in front of the Reds, 12 games in first, 86 and 55. And then in the National League West, the Giants with a two game lead over the Dodgers. Dodgers briefly took over, first place, but the Giants have it back now. Um and then looking at the wild card, the Red Sox will be in that first position. The Yankees are in second. And uh Toronto is a game and a half out of that second wild card. Seattle is two and a half and then Oakland is three. So things are getting very interesting in the American League with the Blue Jays winning seven straight games and the Yankees losing five straight. So it's gotten a lot closer. Um, in the American League wild card in the National League, the Dodgers are well in front with that first wild card, and then the Padres have a one game lead for that second wild card over Cincinnati, three games over Philadelphia, three and a half over St. Louis, and then four and a half over the Mets. So things are kind of getting interesting in the National League as well. Um, so I think that probably does it for um the does it for baseball, um, obviously if you Want any more of my thoughts? You can feel free to uh, DM me on Twitter, Facebook. Um, and obviously, if you have any questions that you want me to answer during uh, any of these podcasts, I think I'll maybe do a mailbag in the near future. So, moving on, we will get to talking about the NHL. We'll talk a little bit about the Bruins um, because there's a, an NHL topic that I'm very excited to talk about. Um, but first, we'll talk about the Bruins. Um, the Bruins had a uh, charity golf tournament, I think, over the last couple of days um, in Plymouth. So there were, you know, comments or, you know, interviews given to some guys and just some comments from here and there. You know, Charlie Coyle said that he feels really good for the first time in a couple of years after getting that knee surgery. So that's at least good to hear. Um, Patrice Bergeron did make some comments about David Krejci. I think, unfortunately, they were kind of misconstrued a little bit you know, that the quote, there was a quote that was framed in a way that made people think that uh, David was going to be returning, which doesn't really seem to be the case. It really just sounded like uh, Patrice Bergeron was talking very literally that he will, you know, see David at some point, not necessarily as a member of the Bruins. So I think you can kind of nip that in the bud if you've been freaking out about that the last couple of days. Um, I don't really think that, Patrice, you know, said anything that's like worth freaking out about. I think the quote was kind of framed poorly um, in my, in my personal opinion. Um, And then, you know, the Bruins obviously have a big decision to make with Charlie McAvoy's new contract. It doesn't sound like they've, they've talked about it. Um, But I think that obviously it's going to be a big amount of money. You know, if you looked at some of the young defensemen who have signed big contracts uh, recently, it stands to reason that Charlie is going to be someone that's going to make a lot of money. Um, so I think that, you know, obviously kind of the first immediate availability for the season for the Bruins, you know, before training camp starts, before that rookie tournament starts, and, you know, we start talking about hockey for the season. So um, obviously then kind of the big comments Patrice Bergeron made that he's um, not thinking about uh, the next contract or the next season that you know he's really just focusing on this season he's not focusing on his lack of a contract past this season which I think can be taken one of two ways I think either that's concerning that you know he doesn't know what the future holds for him you know whether it's retirement or moving on to play for another team I mean I think that that's something that kind of scares some people. So it could be taken that way, or it could be taken that I'm very focused on the upcoming season. I don't want to talk about my contract. You know, but we'll figure we'll figure something out. So I think that there there are two ways to take that, but I think honestly like if Patrice is contemplating retirement, it's like, well, there's not really much you can do there. You know, I think that if he is thinking about stepping away from the game, it's gonna be what it's gonna be. Now I know, you know, us Bruins fans Love to freak out about stuff like that, but it's it's the nature of the game, it's the nature of sports, and we had to do the same thing with Char moving on. I mean, it's unfortunate that he moved on to another team as opposed to retiring, but you know, guys like this are not going to be around forever, you know, and I think that it's going to be what it's going to be, but I think hopefully, you know Patrice is thinking that, okay, I don't want to talk about my contract, I want to focus and play you know, and get ready for the season, because I think that this is a a really huge season for the Bruins. Like, I really think that this is kind of a, a last hurrah type of deal, you know, highlighted by some of the free agent signings that they made in the off offseason, uh, specifically with Nick Foligno. You know, he's not a guy that you bring in to be, you know, competing for championships in five years. He's someone that you bring in if you want to win a championship right now. So, you know, that's going to be very interesting to see how that shakes out for the Bruins. Um, but now I want to get to the other uh, big piece of hockey news that has come out. Obviously, I believe it was last Friday after, obviously, I'd recorded an episode. Obviously, that's how it works. You know, the <laughs> NHL announcing that uh, NHL players will be allowed to compete in the Olympics in 2022, which is going to be uh, really awesome. I'm very excited for this. You know, I think that it's it's fantastic that they've made this decision. You know, obviously it's dependent on the COVID situation um, around the world that hopefully, you know, things are safe enough that players can travel because I think it is possible that, you know, things get bad and they can't travel. So I think at least there's a plan in place that guys are going to be able to go, which is just going to be fantastic to see some of the best players in the world, you know, seeing a Canada team that's just going to be ridiculously stacked. You'll see Marchand, you'll see Bergeron playing for that team. Uh, McKinnon, uh, Sidney Crosby, we'll talk about him in a minute because actually there's some news on him. Um, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, you're going to see a lot of really outstanding uh, Canadian players. And then the American players, you're going to see a really solid American group. You know, Charlie McAvoy definitely is going to be a big part of that team. So I'm very looking forward to uh, watching the Olympics with the best athletes in the world. You know, I think that that's really the biggest thing. Um, NHL players obviously missed out on the 2018 Olympics, which kind of made it not as interesting because you saw a lot of guys that, you know, in normal circumstances would not be playing for Team USA. So it's at least good that you're going to see some great talent. Hopefully Team USA feels a good team and they can be in position to possibly bring home a gold, but it's going to be a lot of fun um, I believe the groups have been decided. I think U.S. and Canada are in the same group. They did not get a good look at the other, at the other uh, teams that are going to be there. But obviously, as we get closer to the Olympics, we can talk um, about that. So big news there. Um, other news from around the NHL. Sidney Crosby uh, had successful wrist surgery, uh, but will miss the beginning of the season for the Penguins. Kind of remains to be seen how long he'll be out, but I think he'll be out um, about six weeks. That news came out yesterday. So um, obviously Penguins will be without Crosby. Obviously they lose uh, Jared McCann to uh, the expansion draft eventually. I know he got traded to Toronto and then got moved. Um, but, you know, Pittsburgh's going to have a lot to kind of a lot of guys that you're going to have to pick up the slack uh, with Crosby's absence. Um, obviously Patrice Bergeron undecided on, his future, um, Connor McDavid obviously will be another player for Team Canada and saying that uh, he's very excited and the Olympics are really important to him. So he'll definitely be someone fun to watch for Team Canada. Um, And then I also wanted to note David Backus um, has retired from the NHL after 15 seasons, uh, signed a one-day contract with the Blues yesterday. So um, David has hung it up, and I just wanted to say a couple words about him. Definitely was... Um one of the players I really admired in this league or really was happy when, you know, the Bruins brought him in. I always really liked him, just a fantastic person, a great teammate and, you know, someone that man, I still I still feel really upset that the Bruins were not able to to get him a championship um two years ago. But, you know, it's it's the nature of the game. You know, like I said with, with Bergeron, you know, it's it's just it's, you know, the the nature of the game and it's unforgiving, but you know, credit to David for, for sticking through some tough times with the Bruins, you know, playing a little bit in Anaheim at the tail end of his career. Uh, but he is retired after 15 seasons. So um, happy trails, David. Hopefully uh, retirement treats you well. Um, so I think that probably does it for the NHL. We're going to get to some NBA. Um, we'll talk about the Celtics. Celtics made a trade last week. Um, which was, I think, on Friday also. So obviously we missed that last week by a day. Um, But the Celtics are getting Juan Hernan Gomez from the Grizzlies. I believe he's the younger brother of Willie Hernan Gomez, who used to play for the Knicks, and I believe he used to play for the Hornets. Um, And so he's a decent size, you know, someone that can play the four or maybe a small ball three or a small ball five. Or excuse me, no, a... a four or a small ball five. I misspoke there. Um, Someone that can shoot, kind of stretch the floor a little bit. Um, So the Celtics getting him from the Grizzlies, uh, trading Chris Dunn and Carson Edwards. Um, And the teams also um, are do or the Celtics traded a pick swap. So the two teams will trade picks in, or will have the opportunity to swap picks in 2026. Um, So, you know, it's, it's, it's too bad for Carson Edwards. You know, he just was never able to find as much of a role with the Celtics um, as we would have hoped. You know, had that highlight where he hit seven threes in a preseason game, but we just kind of never saw that again from him. So, you know, good luck to him in Memphis. Hopefully he can find a good role there. Um, Chris Dunn obviously never played for the Celtics, was briefly traded. Um, so I'm not really sure why the Celtics dealt him You know, it could be that they want to get some more size and more, um, more, just more of a, get more of kind of a, a, someone that can stretch the floor from kind of that big position. Because I think the Celtics were a little bit thin in terms of the bigs when you think about Willie, Robert Williams, uh, Al Horford, and you know, Gomez is not exactly a big, but he's someone that can slide into that. Um, if needed, and I think he's someone that can help the Celtics more than like a Chris Dunn or a Carson Edwards would, and obviously, you know that's why they made the trade. So, uh, be curious to see what his role looks like. Um, the Celtics also signing Luke Cornett to a new contract. I'm not sure what the contract is because I don't think it's like. It, it, I think it's a non guaranteed contract. I'm almost positive. I have to look at that again. Um, but he'll be back for the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics also bring in Jawan Morgan as probably a two, another two-way player. So the Celtics just kind of filling out the bottom of their roster. Obviously, Tremont Waters, Taco Fall have gone elsewhere. Taco has gone to Cleveland. We wish him well. Um, and Tremont Waters, I think, recently just signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. So a couple Celtics players going to Milwaukee. Uh, Shemi Ojale and now... Uh, water so both of those guys are going elsewhere. Um, not a lot of NBA news to be perfectly honest, the Sixers and Ben Simmons, you know I think still trying to work out a possible trade to send him somewhere but you know nothing really has been strongly reported over the last couple of weeks. Um, DeAndre Jordan was traded to the Pistons, I believe um, and is getting bought out so he will probably join the Lakers that according to sources, Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge has also come out of retirement um, and will rejoin the Nets. He had to uh, retire last year due to a heart condition, so it sounds like he's been cleared and able to play. Um, So he will come out of retirement to play for the Nets. Paul Millsap also signing with the Nets, so the Nets, like the Lakers, bringing in a lot of older veteran players. So it'll be interesting to see what is in store for both of those two teams this season. Um, so I think that probably does it for the NBA, you know, really not a whole lot of news with the NBA and the NHL. Um, I did also want to touch on something though, that kind of has been irking me over the last two days. So uh, Rasheed Wallace, I think was on like a, a, on someone's podcast. And I think it, I think it was the same one where, you know, he made some comments that LeBron James and Kevin Durant would, not really do well in in his era or you know the era of like the late 90s 2000s you know maybe right before they came to the league and i just have to say that sort of commentary is getting really old it's getting like really frustrating where it's like there are certain guys that think that their era is like so much better than other eras where it's like all oh, guys wouldn't be able to make it and it's like So I have two thoughts about this. Obviously, I think I've come around to the fact that it's very hard to compare basketball players within, you know, different eras. So, you know, it's hard comparing how Michael Jordan would have done in this era. It's hard to compare what LeBron James would have done in, say, the 80s or something like that. So I think, like, I don't typically like to do that, comparing how guys would do in certain eras because I just think it's not fair you know, it kind of does a disservice to the game to a certain extent. Um, So, you know, that being said, though, like, just this idea that the, you know, 2000s, early 2000s and the late 90s, that it's like this has this like mystical, like, oh, like, no, not just anyone could play in this era. And it's like, you look at a guy like Kevin Durant, you look at what he can do offensively, you know, a guy who legitimately is a seven footer, that can knock down threes, that can drive to the basket, literally can do anything that you ask of him on a basketball court. You cannot look at me with a straight face and tell me that he wouldn't be good in, you know, Rasheed Wallace's era. That's just a preposterous thing to say. You know, I get that you want to talk about your era, that it was a special era. And I think to a certain extent, any era is special. You know, when you think about the certain players that did well, um, you know, there's certain guys that are attached to certain eras. You think about Larry Bird, Magic Johnson are, you know, guys that you think of when you think of the 1980s and the NBA. Michael Jordan is someone you think of when you think about the NBA in the 90s. You know, and so I understand that. But at the same time, you can't just deny that guys who are really good right now would not be good back then. You know, LeBron James is like is just like an unbelievable physical specimen. He's a guy who, you know, is 6'8", 6'9", 250, and is just impossible to stop going to the basket. And by the way, LeBron James did absolutely put some numbers on the Detroit Pistons with Rasheed Wallace back in the day. So it's like, yeah, LeBron kind of already did well in that era, you know? Listen to me talking about how good LeBron is, but it's like, I just think you cannot sit on that. Those guys from that era can't sit on their high horse anymore and can't just be like, oh, like our era is impossible to play and not just anyone could do it. It's like, well, if guys are good enough, they absolutely could. You know, and I, it's, I don't know. It's just frustrating. And I wish that there are guys like Rasheed Wallace, guys like Paul Pearson. It hurts. It hurts me to say this. It really does. Um, But it's like guys, your era was not that hard to play in. Like, you don't have to be talking about your era. Like, it's something, like, amazing. that, Like, oh, like, it's an era that not just anyone could do well in. And I'm not trying to say that, oh, it's an easy era, but it's like, come on, you're telling me that LeBron James and Kevin Durant would not, like, be good enough players back then. Like, that's just crazy to say. Um, Speaking of Paul Pierce, before I move on, Um, The NBA will have its induction ceremony this weekend. Um, So Paul Pierce will be inducted. Ray Allen will be in. No, it's Paul Pierce and Chris Bosch. I think that Ray Allen is presenting Chris Bosch. And I think Kevin Garnett is presenting Paul Pierce. So I think that um, definitely keep an eye on those ceremonies. I'm not sure when they are. I would assume that it's Saturday or Sunday that there is a, that there are ceremonies. So definitely do not miss that. You know, obviously, watch that if you can, but um, definitely, uh, kudos to Paul, kudos to Chris Bosh, anyone that's getting inducted this weekend. You know, like we said with baseball, it's just guys that have done so well for so long, and, you know, Paul was uh, one of my first sports heroes, you know, growing up in the uh, early 2000s, you know, watching those Celtics teams, you know, Paul was someone that I loved watching, and, you know, Loved, just loved those Celtics teams, you know, and I know that those teams were not like the best teams, but man, like there's something about those teams with Paul Pierce and, and Ricky Davis and, you know, Doc Rivers in his early coaching days with the Celtics. Um, so congratulations to Paul. You know, that was uh, a great ceremony when he had his number retired by the Celtics a couple of years ago. Um, so it'll be great to see him get recognition, get the recognition from the rest of the NBA family um, as the Hall of Fame welcomes Paul uh, to their family, so um, very, very much looking forward to that. So we will move on. We will talk a little bit of college football. So the rankings for Week Two have come out. Um, I have to say there are a couple of games that kind of let me down a little bit in that in that first week. Is looking forward to some of these games, and they kind of were not great games. You know, Alabama or uh, Georgia and Clemson obviously was not the offensive shootout that I thought they were going to get and I probably shouldn't have thought that because both teams are incredibly solid defensively and that's what you saw. You saw a slugfest defensively. Georgia got the win so they have moved up to second. Clemson drops to sixth. Uh, Oklahoma dropped from two to four thanks to their poor performance against Tulane. They did win but really did not look good. Uh, Notre Dame got a win in their first game. They did not look good against Florida State. They almost blew um, a big lead. So they're still in the top 10. Um, so really not much changed in the top 25 outside of, you know, some of the top teams falling back a little bit. Uh, Wisconsin fell back six spots. Thanks to their loss to Penn state, Penn state jumped up eight spots to 11. Uh, that was, you know, the one game that I thought was a good, solid defensive game. Both teams had chances to win. Penn state obviously came out with the win. Um, So that is what the top, or the, well, actually, no, I didn't go through the top 25. Um, Alabama at first, Georgia second, Ohio State third, Oklahoma fourth, Texas A&M fifth, followed by Clemson, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Iowa State, and Iowa rounding out the top 10. So taking a look at some key games this weekend, there are a couple, um, but most teams, I think, playing kind of easy opponents, if you will, Um, but the big one on Saturday, 12th ranked Oregon visiting third ranked Ohio state. So that will be a fun, interesting game. 12 o'clock on Fox. I don't know about you guys, but I loved watching, uh, the Penn state, uh, Penn state, Wisconsin game just to, uh, get to watch Gus Johnson work, um, on Fox. That guy is like one of my favorite announcers to listen to. So, uh, it will be a pleasure to uh, listen to him again this weekend. Um, believe that Iowa and Iowa State are playing also this weekend Iowa 10th Iowa State ninth so a top 10 matchup Saturday at 430 on ABC and I think that that is it for the ranked games this week um, so that's probably it and then we'll let you guys know about week three when we talk to you guys next um, the WNBA will take a quick look at some of the games tonight or actually there's only one game tonight uh, Connecticut against Los Angeles at 10:30. That game is on NBA TV. As we are getting closer to the playoffs for the WNBA, we'll take a look at the conference standings in the East. Connecticut um, about to clinch that um, Eastern Conference. They are t- they are 22 and six. Chicago is 15 and 14. Chicago did clinch a playoff berth. And then in the West, you have four teams that have clinched already. Las Vegas. Uh, Seattle, Las Vegas has a game-and-a-half lead over Seattle, two-game lead over Phoenix, two-and-a-half over Minnesota. All four of those teams will be going to the playoffs. So have six teams going to the playoffs, I'm not sure if there are more. I'm actually not sure how many playoff uh, standings there are, but it will be a very interesting playoffs with a couple of teams that did well last year in the bubble um, getting to play some big games again. So very much looking forward to the playoffs for the WNBA. We will also get to the U.S. men's qualifying. They were able to get a win last night against Honduras on the road, 4 to 1. Really good win for the boys last night. It was a, a much needed win after a couple of disappointing draws, uh, first against El Salvador and then against Canada last weekend. Um, but the U.S. really came alive with a couple goals, or with three goals, or four goals, excuse me, four goals in the second half. Uh, to beat Honduras and put themselves into third place in the World Cup qualifying standings, uh, the top three teams, the top three teams make the World Cup, and then the fourth place team goes to a playoff. So, uh, Team USA now is firmly in the firmly entrenched for a spot in the World Cup. At least after three qualifying games, they will play eleven more games. Um, to determine whether they'll go to the World Cup, but it was a really big performance for guys like Ricardo Pepe, who scored um, to give the US the lead, and then Brendan Aronson scored again. He had scored against Canada, so he gets another goal. So it was a big, really big performance for Team USA to get that win. Uh, Matt Turner, obviously the starting goalie for Team USA, was Zach Steffen dealing with a positive test. Turner played really well last night, I thought, made a couple of key saves at key times allowing Team USA to get the win. So Team USA will, I believe, have their next match in October as they start the next international window. So that will be Thursday, October 7th. Team USA will host Jamaica. And then October 10th, they will travel to Panama. And then October 13th, they will host Costa Rica. So three games in September, three in October. Um, That is what we're looking at for next month for the World Cup qualifying. So before we go give you guys a little bit of a revolution update. The revolution uh, beating Philadelphia on the road last Friday, a one nothing win in which um, it was a pretty testy game. Um, If you, if you watched any of that Henry Kessler, obviously one of the funniest, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a soccer game. Um, So usually on the sideline, there are balls set up so players can easily can easily pick them up and throw them back in play. So A ball went out of bounds, and Henry Kessler, thinking very fast, threw one of the balls away that uh, was supposed to be on the sideline for a player to throw in, so he threw that away. Uh, Did get fined for that, although, yeah, I probably shouldn't laugh, but uh, it was a pretty hilarious sight to see. But the Rebs get the win, 1-0. Matt Polster scoring his second goal in as many games against Philadelphia. Um, He had scored against Philadelphia, I think, earlier in the season, so... um, Good win there for the Revs, you know, continuing to kind of set the pace in the MLS, a 14-point lead on the second-place team in the East. And then in terms of the supporters' shield, the Revolution with a 10-point lead over Seattle. So the Revolution get back in action with a game tomorrow night against NYCFC. They get to uh, try to avenge their loss um, on the road two weeks ago. Um, so the Revolution, obviously, were able to welcome Carlos Heel back into the lineup in the Philadelphia game, so he will probably play against New York. Uh, curious to see about Gustavo Poe, did not play in the last game, but obviously didn't make too much of a difference. Revolution get the win against Philadelphia. Um, and yeah, there's a big rivalry with Revolution and Philly. You know, two teams that know each other very well, played each other, I believe, five or six times last year with the Union winning all the games except for the playoff game. Obviously, the Revolution are able to win. Um, but yeah, big rivalry going on at the Rebs and Philadelphia. But you can watch the Rebs' next game, 7 o'clock, at Gillette Stadium on, sun- on Saturday. And then Gillette Stadium will be rocking Sunday afternoon for the Patriots game. Week 1 is finally upon us. I'm so excited to watch uh, some football tonight, Buccaneers and Cowboys. And then the Patriots, obviously, open up Sunday at 425. So... Uh, happy football season, everyone. Have a good weekend. I know the weather today is not super great if you're around the uh, Boston area, but uh, hopefully this weekend's nice, and hopefully we get a Patriots win on Sunday. So everyone, enjoy the enjoy the games. Uh, football season's finally here, and we're going to repeat myself all day. I'm super excited. But uh, everyone, have a good rest of your weekend, or good early part of your weekend, I guess. Have a good part, good weekend. Um, enjoy the games. As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, you can follow us or you can uh, listen to the podcast on uh, Apple Podcast and Spotify. So everyone have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next week.